0: Ever pinch pennies all year for that one family vacation only to feel the budget blues afterwards? If so, I was just like you. After three vacationless years, I stumbled on credit card rewards travel and cracked the code to amazing vacations that I could actually afford. Welcome to
1: Wonderland on Points. In this podcast, you will discover how opening credit cards strategically can save you thousands on travel. We're not just dreamers anymore, we're two adventurous moms turning dreams into reality.
0: Join us as we spill all the points and miles secrets. And contrary to popular belief, you don't have to spend a million dollars to earn a million points. Traveling on credit card points isn't reserved for those with overflowing bank accounts. It's for everyday people like you and me, learning to turn routine expenses into free travel. Consider us your points travel
1: guides. This is Wonderland on Points. Let the adventure begin. Hello, friends. Welcome back to Wonderland on Points.
0: Wait, 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 wait. Wonderland on Point, wait. Wait a minute. Did we change the name of this podcast? I think we might have. I think we uh, might have done a little rebrand. So for anybody that's so confused right now, hi. I'm Joe
1: and I am still Mary Ellen, yes, but we this are is This is now the Wonderland on Points podcast. We're so glad that you're
0: here. We sure are. We are very glad that you've joined us and if you are confused, That means you must not have been on Instagram in the Points and Miles community because you would have seen a whole lot of rebranding happening lately. Um, There are some banks that have some rules about what can be said and what cannot be said online if you want to be an affiliate of the banks. So we have a lot of guests that are affiliates and we just thought In order to be able to keep providing you guys with the absolute best guests, we needed them to be able to actually mention that they were here on the podcast, and so we decided to take the word out of our name. So here we are. We are Wonderland on Points, and we're so happy you've joined us. We're going to answer... A bunch of your questions, which is really fun. I think that we're even getting questions. So I think right off the top, we need to thank you guys for reaching out and asking questions. This is what we're here for. We're so excited. It feels like we're really building a community of people who really want to learn about this. And I could not be more thrilled.
1: Joe, I looked at the analytics today. I haven't um, gone through this with you, but we have listeners in forty-two out of fifty U.S. states. Isn't guys, that crazy? Oh my gosh! I know. We've got what? Alaska and Hawaii. So shout out to everyone in Alaska and Hawaii. Oh. Yes, Listen, we why have is it been... so
0: exciting to me? I don't know.
1: I know. So Make here's surprise. the states we still need, because we okay. got to get all 50. So listeners, if you know people in these states, share the podcast with them. And these are places I want to visit, too, by the way. Montana, South Dakota, Washington. We need we need some help. We need some love up in the Pacific Northwest, I think. Yes. New Mexico.
0: Okay. Which...
1: Fun fact, my son had to be in a spelling bee this week, which I can think of absolutely nothing that I would want to do less than a spelling bee. And one of his (laughs) words was Albuquerque. So shout out to anyone in Albuquerque. He (laughs) did spell it correctly. And so that's that's a hard one. I know there's zero chance that I could have spelled it correctly. In fact, I thought he spelled it wrong. (laughs) But he did correct. not. It was correct. <laughs> That's so, amazing. Good for him. So we need a listener from Albu- Albuquerque. And then the other states, Iowa, West Virginia, which was surprising to me. And then Mississippi and Alabama. Where are my southern friends at?
0: My sister lives in Iowa. So we're going to have okay. a little talk. I, he- I, You're getting called out on the pod. Now I'm going to send so. you this episode and you'll have to listen to it. That's right. Oh, my right. gosh. That is so that's goal now. All 50 states of travel hackers. I think we should just take a press tour to those <laughs> other. Uh, we're going to call it that. It's for work. It's not a vacation. We're working. That's right. I'll take any excuse I can to visit those places. Sounds great to me. I know. I know.
1: Well, let's get into some questions that people have. Okay. So this week, I received an Instagram message from someone who said, will this ruin my credit score? Will Mm. travel hacking ruin my credit score? And that was probably my number one concern before I started travel hacking. Joe, tell us how it affected your credit score. Well,
0: personally, my credit score has gone up quite a bit. And this is something that I am very obsessed with talking about because it is most people's number one concern. There is this misconception out there that opening a bunch of credit cards mm-hmm. is bad for your credit score. When in fact, your credit score is really like your score to the banks of how well you handle debt. The more accounts that you have, the higher your credit limit. And if you're paying off your balances every single month, then you have a very low utilization percentage. And between your utilization. And your on-time payments, that is 65% of your score. So although you might get a ding, like a very slight hard inquiry when you open a new credit card, that comes back up tenfold as you start to use the new card and as your credit limit expands. I I was around 730, I believe, when I started travel hacking, which is a decent credit score. I am this close now to 800. This close.
1: Yeah, I can
0: taste it. Yes. I think I probably have to open a few more cards to actually get there because I haven't really done anything different. And sometimes it's hard to figure out like what makes it stay the same and what makes it go up. Part of mine is that I've, I don't have a super long credit history. I didn't get my first card until right. four or five years ago. They like to see like a 10 plus yeah. year history. So once I sure. have been doing this for a decade – then I'm guaranteeing that my score is going to be over 800. So the, the long answer to that question is not only will this not ruin your credit score, but if you are being responsible with it, your credit score is going to go up and up and it's just going to keep climbing. Yes. Mm -hmm. What about you? What is your experience?
1: Same here. Yeah. My score has improved. I realized that before travel hacking, My husband, all our credit cards were kind of opened in his name Mm. and with his credit. And so our credit scores were actually very different, Mm -hmm. even though I had never had any kind of ding on my credit. I had always been responsible. I didn't have any kind of debt that was causing my credit score to be impacted in a negative way. I just didn't have any credit cards, so I didn't have much credit. Mm -hmm. And so since travel hacking and beginning to strategically open credit cards and use them wisely hundred percent. My credit score has improved. Like you said, temporary dings when you open a new card and have an inquiry, but other than that, it has improved. So it has definitely been great. And I was thrilled to learn that that is a myth that uh, travel hacking will not ruin your credit score. And in fact, it very well may improve it. So great question. I was glad she asked because that is definitely something that I struggled with starting out. Okay. So here's the next question. Is there a good amount of time to wait in between cards? Is there a good amount of time to wait in between That's cards? A great What's question. your opinion? Okay,
0: well, I, I believe we might do things a little bit differently because I think you might be I don't want to say more responsible because I don't think I'm being irresponsible, <laughs> but I get a little hasty sometimes. If I finish a minimum spend really quickly, then I am on to the next within 30 days. You absolutely Okay. Do not want to apply for two cards less than 30 days apart. That'll get you dinged real quick. Right. Something called velocity, opening a bunch of cards really quickly. You don't want to do that. A lot of people recommend 60 days. Some even recommend 90 days. It is a personal preference, but there have been people even opening 30 days apart who have gotten denied because they the bank has said you opened one too recently. Now, when you get denied, I, I right. want to point out you can call the reconsideration line um, for a Chase card. Yes, and you can talk it through with them, and sometimes you can get that reversed. Not always. So, best practice: sixty days. I would say. What philosophy do you take after okay. in this uh, in this hobby? I'm more of a 90 day girl.
1: I do try to wait 90 days before getting a new Mm -hmm. card Uh, because I'm in a situation where I have a player too. I can give him a turn and that kind of breaks it up. So maybe we are actually getting cards more frequently than every 90 days, but he's getting a card and then it's my turn to get a card. And so both of us don't really get cards in less than about 90 days. I have done it one time it was only about 60 days for me that was like oh my <laughs> goodness crazy I'm only waiting 60 days. Um I know there are definitely people who do more 30 days but I try to wait 90 days. That's kind of my rule of thumb. um, And that's what I've gone with. So
0: it depends. Everybody's a little bit different. It's definitely not a bad idea. And I think you get more automatic approvals when you're doing that versus if you're doing 30 days. Sometimes you go into consideration, which can take some time. I don't think I've ever said that I don't I don't play with my fiance. He is not my player too. Um, he is still right on the fence with being involved with this himself. He's like, you do it. You, you know, take our family on the trips. You plan everything. You accumulate the points. He, I think maybe there's like a little past trauma with some credit cards and he's still not totally sure, sure, sure. that he wants to be opening up new cards in his name. So, you know, right. I'm very hopeful that at some point I will get him on board because there is so much benefit when you can refer each other back and forth and then work on a combined stockpile of points. It's really great. But in the meantime, I play or two with my brother a little bit. We do the referring, but obviously it's not a points accumulation for a household. So the way that you do it, if people can do that, if you have someone that lives in your house that you can go at this together, that's a perfect way to get around that 60 day, 90 day thing, because those banks, as long as you're not adding each other's authorized users, which don't do that. Okay guys, sure. that takes up yeah. a 524 not, spot. Not recommended. Not recommended. It takes up one of your spots and I think we've said this before in a previous episode, but the 524 rule is Chase's rule saying you cannot open uh more than 5 of any brand of card within 24 months. So you have a significant or you have a select number of spots that you can use where Chase is concerned. And so if you add someone as an authorized user, that is taking up one of those spots. So, just a little refresher for people: yeah, uh, don't do that. But player two is a great way to skirt the amount of days. So, I think the the another long answer is that there are varying. Um, opinions and people do it all kinds of different ways and it it works for me it works for you so you just do what you're comfortable with and i think that's kind of our message to this whole community is like you do you baby (laughs) you you just have to do what was comfortable for you the redemptions that you want to do the cards that you want to do you don't have to keep up with anybody You just just do what feels comfortable and feels right.
1: I put out a poll on my Instagram, shout out family travel for the win. And some of you guys responded with some really amazing questions. And so we want to answer them for you today. Yes, we do. Joanna, what's the best
0: juicy question? Well, I don't know about the most juicy, but I do know about the most currently applicable, which is somebody asks, how do I pay taxes and some bills with a credit card? And I know that you have like a collection of knowledge on this, like a small one that we were kind of chatting about. I personally have paid just regular income taxes that I've owed with a credit card, I believe it's like a 2% fee. So you have to decide and do the math and see if that fee is worth it in order for you. If you're working on a welcome bonus, especially, I'd say definitely worth it. If you're getting 1x points, I'm not sure that I would advise anybody to be spending 2% of, you know, a $2000 or more tax bill. It just to get a a 1x points on it. I I don't know. Yeah. That's my personal feeling. What do you think? What do you know about this this arena? I agree.
1: I I would add one caveat. I think if it is a sign-up bonus that you are likely to hit anyway with your regular spending, then maybe it's not worth the couple mm. 2%, 3% uh fee that you have to do to pay your taxes. However, if it is a bigger signup bonus um, for a card that you have, some cards have higher sign-up bonuses and you don't think that maybe you will otherwise hit it, mm-hmm. or maybe there's a card you've been waiting to apply for until you knew that you had a big expense coming up that you could pay for with kind of a big lump sum like paying taxes, then I do think it could outweigh the benefits of getting all those points could outweigh the 2 or 3% annual fee. You got to do the math, not annual fee, <laughs> you know, taxes fees for using your credit card. Yes. So you're going to have to do the math and kind of weigh the, the benefits. There is one loophole and I want to give credit where credit is due. There is a travel hacker that I have followed on the internet for some time now. So quick shout out to Katie's Travel Tricks. Okay. She, yeah, she has posted a couple times before about using PayPal bill pay to pay some bills and even some taxes, student loans, utilities. It's a little bit complicated, but it can be done with no fee. So that's the big reason to try to figure it out. It's PayPal bill pay. And if you, the you know, what, if you can find it, like I said, it's going to take a little bit of digging. If you can click through PayPal bill pay and find out that the bills you need to pay are on there, then it could very much be worth it for you. So you have to, a couple things you want to do with your PayPal account, you have to make sure that your bank account at that moment isn't linked to your PayPal account Mm -hmm. and that your PayPal balance is zero because it's going to pull from those things first. And then you want to make sure that whatever credit card you're trying to use has settings where it has a $0 cash advance limit because you don't want PayPal to pull from it and it decode to cash advance. So a couple little things there. You can probably, yeah, find more information on Katie's travel tricks because she's the one who pointed this out to me, but you can absolutely do it through PayPal bill pay with zero fee. It can be done, but it's complicated. So
0: it's possible. I've never even heard of that. I have to be honest. And I think I pay my utilities all with credit card. And a lot of them, if they're on auto pay, don't have a credit card fee. Now there are tricks to things like T-Mobile. You get a discount for being on auto pay with T-Mobile. Okay, but you do not get that discount if it's not hooked up to your bank account or doing an automatic withdrawal, right? So the trick is, you keep it on auto pay, set up with your bank account. You get, it's like a 10% discount. It's pretty hefty if you have multiple people on a line or on a, on a phone plan. So you keep the auto pay set up. It's set up to your debit card. You set yourself a little alarm and you go in maybe a week before the bill is due and you pay the amount on your credit card. But auto pay is still turned on. So when auto pay time comes, it's not charging you because your balance is zero, but you're still getting the discount. So you're not paying ten percent more to use a credit card. Does that make sense? Ooh, I, it's a that's, little—that's
1: yeah. a hacky hack. It that, is. That's indeed.
0: Um, I also saw very recently, and I wish I could remember the Instagram account. If I can figure it out, I'll post it to my stories. There was a woman talking about how there's a lot. Of student loan companies that allow you to pay with gift cards, which is a whole thing. Interesting. But people have been doing these, the no fee staples gift cards with the Chase Inc. cash, five times the points, um, or hitting the sign up bonus on that one, and then buying a bunch of MasterCard gift cards with no fee on them and using them to pay their student loans. I mean, I saw someone talking about doing that with, like, $40,000 worth of student loans, which is so crazy and amazing. But, like, that's a lot of points. You don't want those sitting on the table if you don't have to. Like, Absolutely. If you're willing to do a little bit of hacking and finagling, like things can be done.
1: So someone else asked the question, how often are you closing credit cards? Because I know there's fear that closing credit cards can hurt your credit score. So how does that impact your credit score? How often are you doing this closing cards? Because if we are getting all these sign-up bonuses, then we are accumulating quite a few credit cards. Are we really going to keep them open all the time? And what I would say is two things. Number one, can you downgrade the card? Can Mm -hmm. you downgrade it to a no annual fee card? If so, go that route. Now, I have heard sometimes people say, okay, downgrade it and then just ignore it. Just take it out of your wallet. Don't use it. But if you don't use a card for a really long time, the bank will close it for you. And then that's not good. You don't want to get on their bad side by having them close the card for you. So you may want to put a small recurring um, thing on the card. We have yeah. some charity donations that we do. That's like $20 a month. And we maybe just put that on a card and that's all we ever use that card for. But that way it has ongoing fees and we have it set up to auto pay. So it's fine. We don't have to think about it that much, but then the bank doesn't close it. So down the card to no annual fee. Don't completely forget about it. Put some little recurring payment on it. Um, And then if it's a card you haven't opened that long ago, you've only had it for one or two years, it's okay to close it. It's okay to close one every now and then. What do you say, Joe?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I personally haven't closed any cards yet, but I am not against closing cards. I think that is kind of your last resort, though. I think you should always call and see if you can downgrade. Um, And another option, if it's a card with a kind of hefty annual fee, they might offer you a retention offer, which means that you might say, I want to close this card. And then they might say to you, well, how about you keep this card and we'll give you $25,000? points if you spend $3,000 in the next however many months. Sometimes people call to try to get retention offers when they actually have no intention of closing the card. They just say that they are considering it and then Sometimes a retention offer is given to them and it, they use it as an opportunity to get another bundle of points. So I have never tried that, but people have fairly good luck with it. Um, I have heard Amex really does not like to hand out retention offers. I've heard Chase is oh, a little I've bit better. One.
1: I've gotten one. Yeah, Amex Gold. I have gotten a retention offer after my first year. So you have to wait until after you've had the car at least a year, wait till your annual fee post. But before you pay the annual fee, that is your kind of key window to message them. I did it all on the computer. I didn't have to talk to someone on the phone because that's scary. (laughs) (laughs) I did it all through their little chat Portal and just said, Hey, I'm not sure if I want to keep this card. And I kind of went through a couple of things. They'll ask you, Well, don't you use these benefits? And I'll say, Eh, I do, but it's kind of annoying, <laughs> which it is sometimes. Yeah. And I ended up getting a retention offer. So the first year of a card is always worth it, no matter pretty much what the annual fee is because of the sign-up bonus. Yes. And then if you get a retention offer, then hey, the next year is also pretty much always worth it because that retention offer goes so far to outweigh the cost of the annual fee. So I love that you brought that up. That's a great point. And I'm
0: all about trying to get retention offers. Yeah, I think it's a super um, kind of fun hack that is not talked about as much. I also wanted to mention that people will close their cards if they are wanting to get a sign up bonus again. And I believe with most cards, it has to be 24 months or longer. So you have to keep a card and be in good standing for two years. And once that two years hits, you can close and wait 30 days and then reapply for the card. And you should be eligible to get the sign up bonus again. Every bank has different rules and timing this is kind of just a general so if there's something in particular you're thinking of make sure you research it first um and don't just go like closing your cards thinking you're going to get a sign up bonus again got to make sure terms and conditions do a little digging um but that is that is the one reason why Like closing a card versus a downgrading or retention offer makes the most sense to me.
1: I was going to say we're going to do that actually with my husband's Chase Sapphire this year. I love that.
0: Yeah, because it's really good for your credit score and your credit history to have a bunch of accounts. The higher your credit limit, which, you know, every card you open, your credit limit's going up. That is actually very good for the score in general. So closing cards is, is, you know, taking your credit limit down, which means your utilization is going up. That's a whole tangent. But it is something to consider. Another thing to consider is that sometimes you will go to apply for a new card and you won't be able to because you have too much credit extended to you from that bank. That is a situation where you do potentially want to either close a card to free up credit limit or you can ask some of your credit limit to be transferred from a card that you currently have. Again, these are not things that I've had to do. So, do your research. But you should be able to say, I have a $6,000 limit on this card. I don't need a $6,000 limit. Can we take some of this limit? and put it towards the new card that I'm trying to open the worst they can say is no and then you can go and close the card this has a lot of minutiae to it and is a big topic so please feel free to reach out if you have questions and we can go into more detail we're really just trying to give an overview today so I know that was a lot guys but just stick with us okay we're (laughs) we're here for you it's gonna be okay
1: Yeah, I will say everyone's favorite card, the Chase Sapphire Preferred, Chase has a 48-month rule on that one between when you can get The sign-up bonuses. So my husband—that was actually a card that we got under his name before we even knew what travel hacking was. It was like our very first card, got us that flight to BAMP. If you remember back to our very first episode, we talked about how we went there for our wedding anniversary one year. And so we've had that card for a long time, but it is not our longest credit card. So -hmm. this year, my husband is actually going to downgrade that card to another one of the Chase Freedoms and. And then he—it's been over 48 months since he earned the sign-up bonus, so he is going to plan. We're planning on him re-earning a Chase Sapphire Preferred sign-up bonus this year. That's part of our strategy for uh, 2024. So definitely you there's so many options there are a ton of options out there so if you want to close a credit card just kind of weigh all of those figure out what is the right fit for you
0: yes and you said something very important there that i'm not sure we highlighted never ever ever close your oldest card ever <laughs> no i don't care no. if there's a sign up bonus that you want to get again i don't care do not do it. unless you have another card that you like opened the same year, you do not want to make your credit history any shorter than it has to be because that is a huge part of your credit score, okay? You want the longevity. Okay, that is all I will say there.
1: <laughs> okay, here is a new question, and this one I thought was kind of fun and it required some thinking. What is your second go to card slash Hotel when you're traveling somewhere with no Hyatt. So we talk about Hyatt, Hyatt, our love for Hyatt, love for Chase because of the transfer to Hyatt. But if we take that off the table, we're going somewhere, there's no Hyatt hotels. What is your choice for a hotel or credit card to use points in that situation?
0: I actually had to think really hard about this because uh, my second choice is Airbnb, and that's not a hotel. So I instead am going to give you personal anecdotes from people in my life. Um, A lot of people like IHGs. And I actually was just looking through the Chase uh, app this morning. And IHG is having some kind of like 60% bonus when you transfer points to them right now. Uh, I got to dig into that a little bit more. I know their redemptions are very high. Uh, Which is the same with Marriott and all these other places you can transfer chase points. They're just a lot more. When you stay at a Hyatt, you're looking at 8,000, 15,000, maybe 20, maybe 35 if you're staying somewhere really nice. But then when you look at Marriott prices, you're like, oh, my gosh, why is this 40000 50000 $80,000? is happening? And so it can be a little bit off-putting to want to put your chase points over there. But I know that when people are doing IHG cards, it seems like it's very easy to earn free nights, like free night certificates. I think the card that my parents have comes with two free nights a year, and they, they just keep that. Um, I don't know what the annual fee is on that, but that's a go-to. And then I, I think it can just be pretty easy to accumulate the points in general. So
1: and I would IHG, say- <clears throat> IHG has that fourth night free, right? When you that's- book on points mm-hmm. and you book
0: three nights in a row, then the fourth night is free? Yes. That is something that I forgot to mention. They do have the fourth night free, which is a great perk. When I think of IHG, I think of the budget hotels like Holiday Inn and Holiday Inn Express, but they actually also have like the Kimptons, the Hotel Indigo, the Intercontinental. I've actually stayed at a Hotel Indigo and an Intercontinental pre-travel hacking and had no idea those were IHG hotels. So um, I'm not sure if those fourth night free have a cap, Or, you know, it can only be used for the non-premium collection hotels. I don't really know because I have to say, I kind of plan my trips around a Hyatt being available to me or an Airbnb. (laughs) I'm kind of a creature of habit and maybe that's not good. Maybe I really need to break out into this other world. But there's just so many chase points to be had and they're so flexible that it just makes no sense for me at the moment to want to branch out.
1: Yeah, what about you? In due time. In yes. due time. Okay. I'm going way out of pocket here. Ooh, I'm going to say something crazy that I know you will like because you have oh. mentioned it before, but in the past week, I have had multiple people, I am not kidding, message me about the up and coming <laughs> Drury Hotels. <laughs> Yes, Drury. Yes. Okay. You cannot transfer points to Drury, unfortunately. Nope. So this is a travel hiking show, but more importantly, this is a budget travel show and about how we can get our family places and save some money. So Drury Hotels, the people that I know that have stayed there in the past week, one in Nashville, one in Tallahassee, Florida, said that they are very nice, Mm -hmm. that the breakfast buffet was outstanding, and they ate dinner there. In fact, at the one in Tallahassee, you could get multiple alcoholic drinks included in your dinner. That is included in the price of your stay. So, when you talk about traveling with a family of five, and you're telling me not only can we eat breakfast, okay, and Mm -hmm. if you're me and if you've seen my Instagram, maybe make a peanut butter and jelly from the breakfast buffet. Find some kind of scrap out, some kind of lunch, but (laughs) they have dinner there. And so, my sister was recently at a Drury and she was sending me all these videos and pictures, just saying how surprised she was, Um, especially she. She took my nephew there and he is a picky eater and he was mm. loving the buffet for dinner. And yeah. wow, if you, I mean, when you're traveling as a family, the cost of meals is just so much. So oh, it's crazy. Hotels, yeah, it's a little bit of a sleeper for me. If You can't use your points, but if there's no Hyatt available... You're looking for a second choice. I know there are some Drury hotels in Orlando, one near Universal. Mm. So it's worth looking into. It weigh all of your options and what's going to be the most affordable option for your family. And don't, you know, what? what is with the, I guess it's a family name, Drury. All I can think of is Drury. I know that, that they is have really to funny. thought about that. <laughs> you think, oh my gosh, what a dreary place to stay. But I assume that's like the family name and that's why they're Drury hotels. But, Don't, don't judge a book by its cover, by the dreary sounding name.
0: No, I've stayed in quite a few Drurys, and they have all been nice. You're right. The name is super weird. When I was researching Juliet's birthday party, that's my daughter. I'm not sure I've ever said her name on the show before. When I was researching her birthday this year, originally, we were thinking of doing a multi-girl sleepover in St. Louis at a Drury Inn, and I was going to get a suite with two queen beds and a sleeper sofa, and it was going to be five girls plus me, and I put all of them on the reservation. When I was quoting the price, so for one night for free breakfast and the dinner the night of our stay, which is called the kickback, it's like two hours of a dinner buffet. It was going to be like two hundred and thirty dollars, and that is including tax. And that was for like a suite. A nor- the normal room was like one something. And if you then this not was for have- six girls.
1: Yeah, there's no way you could have taken them to Chick-fil-A and paid for their breakfast and dinner. No, you know how I know that?
0: Because last year we catered Chick-fil-A and had a sleepover (laughs) at my house. And it was like the same price.
1: So, uh,
0: no, you are correct. I think Drury is awesome. They do have a card. When you go to their website, they're going to try to push their credit card on you and tell you you can earn some of their currency or whatever. I have to say I would not. I would not waste one of your credit card spots for a currency that can only be used at that hotel when their stay is so affordable already in cash. I would just put the line item in your budget and sock some money aside, go donate some plasma and you stay at a drury, okay? (laughs) Uh, That's what I would do.
1: All right. Let's circle back to the beginning. Okay. Cause this question, somebody did ask me and I know we've covered it and I know it gets covered a lot, but it's important. And people are new to travel hacking. They're still learning. And someone asked me on Instagram, what is the best bang for your buck card to start with? And we mm. have made it known that we think you should consider what are your travel goals when mm-hmm. choosing a credit card. But if we had to say one Across the board, obviously, say it with me, Joe. It's the The Chase
0: chase, Sapphire sapphire Preferred. I just realized that when we're recording remotely, we probably won't be lined up (laughs) saying that at all because that's how sound works. But that is okay. Of course, that is our go-to card. And we have an entire episode about it. We would love for you guys to listen to that episode because we go into... All of the details on the benefits of that card, and they are massive. It is a great card to start with, especially if you have time to be patient and wait around for the elevated offer that it sometimes gets. But even if you are ready to get started right away and you want to go for the normal 60,000 point offer, you want that card in your arsenal. It is how you are able to transfer to all of the partners that we talk about all the time, and this currency is just insanely valuable. Let me give you an example. I was just Googling flights from JFK to London the second week of May, and those flights are 10,000 Chase Ultimate Rewards points from JFK to London, okay? 10,000. That's insane. That's that is so good. One Ten thousand. That is one-sixth of a welcome offer. And because you have that card, you have the ability to transfer. You cannot do that with many other Chase cards. So it is absolutely the best one. But I also want to mention that some people are big Southwest people. I have people in my life that I have coached, their primary goal was like, I want Southwest, I want the companion pass. That is my number one thing that I need for traveling. I'm not so worried about international flights or this or that. I always fly Southwest. And I would say in that circumstance, starting in on a Southwest card could be the way to go for you. It certainly does not have the, Plethora of benefits of the Chase Sapphire Preferred, but you are going to be able to earn your companion pass and a stockpile of Southwest points. But one more caveat to that is if you get the Chase Sapphire Preferred, you can transfer those points directly to Southwest. So let's not forget about that. Okay. The only re- reason I would recommend starting with the Southwest card specifically is if you're going to go for the companion pass. And it's still not too late. Um, The more we get into this year, the more I would recommend holding off just so you're maximizing the amount of time you have it. And guys, we have an episode about that too. So feel free to look back at both our Southwest episode and our Chase Sapphire preferred episode because let me tell you, they are chock full and it's a lot more than we can give you in this very short episode. Mary Ellen, do you have like a another card, like if people really were just curious about another option of a best card to start with, do you have any others you would suggest?
1: Well, yes, I will make a suggestion. But before I do, I want to mention, as you talked about the Southwest episode, if listeners go back to that Southwest episode that we recorded and released, I believe we released it in December, Mm -hmm. I made a bold prediction. And I'm reminding everyone of that bold prediction because it is about time. And that is, Southwest in roughly February of every year runs a promo where you can sign up for a Southwest credit card. Last year, it was you got 30,000 points for the sign up bonus. Plus, as soon as you met the minimum spin, part of your sign up bonus was also a companion pass immediately. Mm. Now, for the rest of this calendar year, which for this year would mean for the rest of 2024. So keep your eyes out, guys. I'm just putting it all on the table again, okay? I made that prediction. I've been following their trends the last few years. So by the time you're listening to this, it could have happened, okay? And I want you all to come to my DMs (laughs) and say, we heard it first from Mariela that this was going to happen.
0: I literally forgot that you said that. This is very exciting. I'm going to be watching my emails I'm not going to do it because I'm in the middle of my own. Uh, guys, I have I'm um, totally done with the first half of my companion pass. And those points hit. And that was a good feeling. And now we just have to see if they're going to give me that second business card. I'm a little nervous. I'm excited. I'm excited. <laughs> but, you know, they can be a little funny about the two business cards. Like, why do you need this? Well, mm-hmm. maybe you end up with the personal card instead. Who I know that already. I got that. Ages ago, before, oh. I, before I ever knew about the companion pass. That's, that's why right. I, that's, that's why I'm right. doing it this way. I forgot. Okay. I know. What a shame. All right.
1: So another card to start with. I think you maybe can't go wrong as a beginner starting out with go the Capital One route. Mm. Why not go the Venture or Venture X route? Um I really like the Venture X card. There's a $300 annual fee. We do have an episode about Venture X as well. And but you get a $300 credit in the travel portal that kind of immediately erases that annual fee. Yeah. And I just love the simplicity with Capital One of 2 points for everything. You know, yeah. you just earn the 2 points kind of across the board. There are still some bonus categories, but instead of a flat one point per dollar, you got two points per dollar. So you can, you can rack those up pretty quickly. And then my beloved Amex gold, simply for the fact that I earned so many points through Rakuten. That was my first travel hacking card, the yeah. Amex gold. And I don't regret it. I, I really don't regret it, but I love that I can get those Rakuten points and I enjoy mm-hmm. how easy it is to earn Amex points. So I don't think you can go wrong with any of those. You just need to get into the game and get a flexible currency card. Whether you go the Chase Sapphire route, the Capital One route, the Amex Gold route, all of those are flexible points currencies. So you have opportunity to transfer to transfer partners. And that is the name of the game. So don't let fear kind of paralyze you from just jumping in and getting started.
0: Yes. Let's remind everybody also, before you sign up for any cards, go look at any other cards you might have open. Figure out when you opened them, because that is going to tell you something called your 5 and 24 score, which is a chase number. They will not give you a new card if you've opened more than five cards in 24 months. So it's really important to know that before you apply for a card. So go ahead and go do some inventory before you decide which direction to go. And, of course, email us. We would be more than happy to help you and do a consultation to help you really hone in on which card is right for you. Should we move on to the next question? Let's do it. Love it. Okay, this is kind
1: of an interesting one. Do you typically get a better points value with flights or hotels? What do you think? I mean, personally, I'll go ahead and say... I think the biggest redemptions tend to come from international business class flights. Mm -hmm. That is where you see people getting routinely, you know, eight cents per point, 10 cents per point. You can really have some massive redemptions booking international flights and particularly business class international flights. So the glamorous stuff is yes. what can often bring you the biggest cents per point redemptions. However, yeah. that doesn't mean that's what I normally use my points for. <laughs> <Nope>. So, <laughs> what value do you, I have done that and I have a business class international flight coming up this year. Got great value in booking that and I'm super excited. I do find that I use my flexible point currency points, such as Chase Sapphire Preferred Points, for hotels more mm-hmm. often
0: than not. That, that's just what is valuable for my family. 100%. I am, I'm right there with you. Although I will say that the redemption value, as you were saying, is amazing with international flights. There is currently, uh, over the course of kind of the summer months, there's a flight path from, um, Los Angeles to Paris, that is normally seventeen hundred dollars, and I think it was like fifteen or eighteen thousand points. Like that is crazy. So yeah. so good. Okay, and that was a yeah. it was seventeen hundred dollars for an economy seat. So that is amazing. But the reality is, most people don't have time to be taking a ton of international trips. So where the value lies is in the trips that we are actually able. To take, and for me, that is also hotels. The value of Hyatt points is so amazing because it has nothing to do with the dollar amount, it has to do with the category type. And that's what's really cool about it. Southwest's points, which have been devalued as of the beginning of this year, line up with the dollar amount for the flight. So when flights are on sale, you're gonna see those points go down. So that's the time to snag them. Other times, it's kind of painful. You're seeing flights for 25,000 points one way, and you're like, I don't want to do that for a domestic flight. That's, it's hard. It hurts. But with Hyatt, there are some, like, all-inclusive resorts that you can stay at for, like, 15,000 points a night. That's insane, okay? And they, of course, go up and up based on the category, But the value is so good because some of these places are in peak season, $700, $800, $900 a night. And you're either paying the off-peak points or the on-peak points. But it's not changing whether this is a $900 hotel or a $600 hotel. If they're both category fours, they're both the category four amount of points. So if you're willing to put in a little legwork, to compare what the price per night would be for the hotel of your choice, you're probably going to be pretty excited to see the value that you're getting. I love I a
1: fixed award chart.
0: Ugh, <laughs> it's so good. If they ever change that, my heart will shatter. It. It. I'm like constantly on the Hyatt app just like seeing – doing a little scroll. For me, I think my Hyatt app is like more fun to me than than like scrolling Instagram. Just like putting <laughs> it in a place, seeing what Hyatt's and then being like, oh my gosh, that Hyatt is 9,500 points a night. Are you kidding? Let's go. Let's That's go. That's so funny.
1: You know what I love? And I don't think we've talked about it for, because we've never officially done a Hyatt episode. Maybe we should do a deep dive in the Hyatt. We should probably
0: Hyatt. do a every, Hyatt
1: episode. Every episode seems to be a Hyatt episode, <laughs> but They have Hyatt Bingo, which people who aren't in that kind of Hyatt family don't know yet. So if you stay at five different types of Hyatt hotels, you earn a free night. So in your app, it highlights each different hotel kind that you stay, like a Hyatt house, Hyatt place, Grand Hyatt
0: Destinations by Hyatt. Unbound collection. I only know these because I am playing Hyatt bingo so hard right now and I'm at four.
1: So as soon as you get five, it is a free night. So me too. I'm playing some Hyatt bingo right now and it's just fun. I love that.
0: It's fun. It's also a little bit painful because none of the trips that I have already booked were able to complete my night because it was it was a little bit of a a, a push and, and shove for me i was like okay i could stay at a brand i have not stayed at but i'm going to spend 4000 more points per night or i could right. go back to the hyatt place in orlando with the free breakfast and the very nice across the street from the Universal Studios property and keep it down here under 10,000 points per night. And that is ultimately what I chose to do because for me, I don't want to I don't want to spend more just cuz I'm trying to get a free night cuz then it doesn't feel as free. I want it to right. like happened naturally. I was already going to stay there and now it's finishing my bingo. So I know I'm going to have an option. I've never stayed at a like um, a Regency. Hyatt Regency Boston by Boston Logan Airport.
1: There's a Hyatt Regency that is right on the water. So you Mm -hmm. get the skyline view of Boston. That's that was uh, a Regency we stayed at. But I this is my dream. I want to go to New York City. I mean, I go to New York City all the time, but I want to go to New York City with the goal of playing hyatt bingo because that in that one city which of course is massive but there are so many different brands that i want to just like for fun hop around to the different hyatts and play hyatt bingo with my stay that's that's the travel hacker um in me that just for fun wants to do some hyatt hopping in new york city
0: I love that. And I guess, so after you play your first round of bingo, it doesn't wipe the board clean, right? Then you have to start staying at the really, you know, unique bougie. places that you've never <laughs> heard of before. Hey, but if you ever want to go to New York City and split a Park Hyatt room on points, I will go there you, know I'm you there. for that girl's trip. And that would finish my bingo. So I'm just saying, just saying. Yeah, I've never even heard of some of these. Sunscape Resorts, Hyatt Vivid, Zoetry. I've heard of Secrets. All right, I'm, I'm going down the rabbit hole. Well, get me out. <laughs> okay, so that is all of our questions for this episode. If you enjoy
1: kind of hearing a Q&A episode, please keep sending us your questions because yeah. we would love to do these type of episodes every so often. Mm-hmm. But I have a question for our listeners. I need some help. We have mentioned that I am going to Hawaii later this year. And so I need some help from listeners who have been to Hawaii. So this is what I want to do. Once when we went to Utah, we went to Zion National Park and it was a magical trip. I was pregnant at the time and I decided I want to do family photos slash maternity photos in Zion. And Love so that. I researched on Instagram, different photographers that shoot there and found a photographer, which was quite scary, honestly, finding a photographer that I had never met before many States away to book. Cause I was like, Oh my gosh, is this a real person? Am I, I'm sending money to book with someone I've never met or never seen, but I highly recommend doing a photo shoot when you're on vacation. Those mm. ended up being the most gorgeous photos. And I realized, especially when I was in Puerto Rico recently, I love taking pictures. I take all of our family's pictures and on trips. I'm the one doing all the photography. So you're not in them. I'm never in them. I'm never in them. And if I am in them, I don't like them. But some of that is because my sweet husband, you know, no matter if I say, okay, I want it from this angle, like this, you know, the like (laughs) photographer in me tries to direct him. It's still, it doesn't turn out. The vision does not come to fruition. (laughs) And so usually I just take the pictures because I enjoy it anyway. It's kind of an artsy creative outlet for me. Yeah, So I love it, but I also want to love pictures that I'm in. (laughs) So when we go to I'm thinking that this is something that I want to be saving some cash for. I may do a bank bonus. I want to save up a little bit of money that we can use to book a photographer because Hawaii is a big trip for us and it's not, uh, we're East coasters. And so going to Hawaii is not something we're going to do all that frequently. We're not on the West coast where we kind of go there all the time. So I'm thinking this year, I want to book a photographer in Hawaii specifically on the islands of Maui or Oahu. So if listeners have any suggestions for me, I'm looking for a photographer in Hawaii for our trip later this year, please shoot me your recommendations. I typically like, just so you know, my aesthetic is (laughs) colorful, bold. I'm not so much the kind of muted tones. Yeah. I, I like bold, bright colors. So if you have a photographer recommendation send them my way. I would love to hear it.
0: Oh, I'm excited to see what you get back from this one. That's going to be so fun. We
1: always do family pictures, right? Every year, but we just do them locally. And I have photographer friends locally, love to support them. Definitely love doing yearly or bi-yearly, you know, family photos. Totally about that. But on vacation, I feel like more people should take advantage of booking photos on vacation. Get
0: some really magical pictures in a different environment. Well, you know, I travel with my brother a lot and he's a very good photographer and has a wonderful eye. So I always force him to take pictures of me. But the best family photos that we have ever gotten and the one that I keep using because nobody in my family has agreed to take photos since is when we brought my brother to Florida with us. And he brought his camera. We went out on that beach and he took family pictures of us on the beach. And they are so magical. And yes, I am very lucky that I was like, hey, you come with us, you stay for free, you take our pictures. That's nice and easy. But obviously, if you don't have that, you can hire somebody. And you know, I've seen um, on Airbnb a lot, on Airbnb experiences, Mm. you can find people offering photo shoots. In fact, there's even people that offer like candid photo, you know, like if you go to Paris, they will stay with you for four hours following around taking like professional candid you. Like, this is a thing. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I would love to see what kind of recommendations you get. But if you don't get anything that like you feel connected with, maybe hop on Airbnb and just like browse through the experiences. I bet there are some photographers on there offering the photograph experiences. So. Might be something we're really fun. Too. Yes.
1: Okay. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us today. I hope that you are planning some wonderful trips and adventures for your family. Let us know where you go. We want to know how earning points is affecting your family and what you're able to do for your family. So feel free to write in stories. Tell us where credit card points have taken you or what is something that you have learned or has resonated with you. That would mean a lot to us to hear from you. So don't be afraid to shoot us an email.
0: Yes, we want to share your wins on the podcast. So you share them with us and we will share them with the world as long as you're okay with that. Thanks for being here today, guys. If you enjoyed this show today, please consider writing us a review or clicking five stars wherever you listen to your podcasts. And please subscribe and follow along so that you never miss an episode. You can follow the podcast on
1: Instagram or YouTube at Wonderland on Points Podcast. You can find me on Instagram at Family Travel for the Win with the number four. And you can find
0: me on Instagram at Points to Wonderland. If you're thinking about getting a new Travel Rewards
1: credit card, consider using the links in our show notes. Using our links helps to support us and keep our podcast going so we can provide you with all the latest tips and tricks when it comes to traveling on points.
0: And if you aren't sure which card is right for you, shoot us an email at at gmail.com, and we would be happy to walk you through a free card consultation. That's also a great place to send us all of your comments and questions. Thank you so much for joining us and we will see you here next time.